Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with investigative reporter Mark Shaw. His websites are linked up at coasttocoastam.com. He's been sifting through the JFK documents that were recently released. And we're talking about Lee Harvey Oswald now, Mark. And uh, they found his address book. Yeah, they did. But I, I want to switch. I want to wait on that one for just a minute because I want. I don't want to uh, miss uh, telling you about one that I know has never, ever been uh, looked at. And that's why these, these documents are valid. By the way, I may have misled you. Uh, only about 500 of them that I found, uh, say, missing or redacted. So I looked through almost 1,000 a of them. 1,000 of them. Okay. Yeah. And um, what's interesting is that I, what I'm looking for is different than other people, and I'm trying to see if my theories in collateral damage, for instance, my other books, if there's any conflict there. And I will tell you that I don't believe there is. It, it, it was disappointing to see. Dorothy Kilgallen's name's not in there. Jack Ruby, J. Edgar Hoover, Marilyn Monroe, RFK a- actions in 62 before uh, I believe he was responsible for Marilyn's death. None of that is in there. But there are other jewels, and one of them is a very interesting document that's marked for the CIA on 3-25-1974. And I'll, I'll read a little bit of it to you in a minute. But basically... It's a document connecting Robert Kennedy, Sam Giancana, and Johnny Roselli, who you remember was uh, a mafioso uh, connected with Marcello and Traficante right. based, and all those. Based out of L.A. and Vegas, right? Exactly. Regarding an attempt to quash a grand jury organized crime indictment against Giancana and thus prevent public disclosure of Roselli's association with the United States government. Now, what that means to me is that somehow or another, RFK, now this is just a couple months before he resigned as attorney general, but it's a, it's a lengthy um, uh, memo, and it basically talks about the fact that there have been uh, uh, discussions with Roselli through Giancana about quashing this indictment against Giancana. Now, I searched as much as I could, and I couldn't find an indictment against Giancana then, but it basically shows that somehow or another, apparently, uh, Roselli was uh, offering uh, to uh, help the government uh, some way or another in exchange for them quashing the indictment against Giancana. Now, I don't think, I never heard of that before. And, and Roselli ended up in an oil drum, didn't he? Well, that was my next thing, because thing to say, because it was only, I think he died in 76 or 77. It was shortly after that, or not too long after that, where he bobbed up in a, in a, um, a barrel, uh, you know, a metal barrel. I think it was in um, one of the bays down in Florida, and his body was immersed into the, into the barrel. So I'm wondering if there's some sort of a connection there, and I'm going to look more into that. Also, there's an accompanying document in there that talks about Sam Giancana, who, as you know, was the, was the individual that the Kennedy family, Joe Kennedy and all of them, called on to help win the election in 1960, uh, 1960, 1960. Out of Chicago. Uh, when, yeah, Out when they were going to lose, you know, Illinois and West Virginia and all of that, and they got Mayor Daley to help them. But this document talks about that as of 1977, Sam Giancana, head of the Chicago Cosa Nostra, is still running things for the mafia by remote control from a hideout in Mexico. That's interesting. So it seems like that there's there there was some involvement with the government, Bobby Kennedy, whatever it was, um, and the Justice Department with these gangsters 
uh, just you know not too long after after obviously JFK had been killed, probably about a decade later, some way or another. But something's funny about that, George, and I'm going to need to look into it further. But I don't believe that's ever been exposed before. So when I ran into that, it just it really surprised me because, uh, as I say, I'd never seen it before. And Giancana, nicknamed Momo, was gunned down in his house in 1975. Yeah, he certainly was. You know, uh, those guys have their own rules, don't they, George? It, it doesn't have anything to do with due process, boy. You cross them, and it was the same thing, obviously, with regard to, you know, Bobby Kennedy, uh, you know, uh, deporting Carlos Marcello and uh, charging him with racketeering right before uh, November 63. And so, you know... Uh, uh, instead of killing, uh, uh, you know, Bobby Kennedy, whom he hated, Marcella, he orchestrated the death of JFK to make Bobby powerless, and that's exactly what happened, as I have, have proven in my books and all that. The other one is this Lee Harvey Oswald address book, and I don't normally look for anything with Oswald, but the name James Angleton popped up. And uh, he, he's an interesting character. Is he still alive, or has he passed on? No, he passed away. He was a big shot in the CIA. And his name comes up three places that I find quite interesting. The first one is this document, which I believe, yes, is uh, is dated um, February 1964. And this has to do with Lee Harvey Oswald's address book, however he got it. And it talks about, you know, all of the uh, the addresses that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald had. And, and basically they are with uh, people in the Soviet Union. All right, so we'll get to that in just a little bit. Well, the reason I was interested in Angleton is because you re- may remember in in um, in collateral damage, there is that CIA document that is the basis for all of my resolving uh, JFK's murder, Dorothy Kilgallen's murder, and silencing uh, Marilyn Monroe when she was going to go to the media with all these things about the love affairs with the Kennedys and national secrets, uh, you know, secrets. Uh, uh, national security and all that. Well, it's it's a document that Angleton signed on August third, August third, nineteen sixty-two. Well, that date meant a lot to me, and it should to, to your listeners as well, because that's the day before Marilyn died. And it talked about, remember, George, the UFO connection between Marilyn and Dorothy and JFK based on wiretaps of Marilyn and Bobby's uh, conversations and so on and so forth. And it, it talked about Marilyn's threat to go to the media and all of that kind of thing. And then, of course, there's the part in there about the torrid love affair between Bobby Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe. The other, the kicker there then is we have this whole situation with uh, Lee Harvey Oswald's notebook. We have this connection, and then I, I've become interested over the past few months in the death of Mary Meyer Pinchot. Now I assume you know who that is. Tell us who. Tell us though. Well, Mar- she's she was a uh, one of the the lovers of John Kennedy when he was in the White House. Okay. Uh, she was a Georgetown socialite. I didn't know about her t- too much about her until recently. There have been a couple of books uh, talked about, uh, written about her because uh, she was a socialite, and and it's proved been proven she was a real uh, had been to the White House several times. She had this uh, secret affair with with uh, JFK and all of that, and she she had finally uh, she was married to a CIA guy, and then and she became a painter, and then in uh, 1964. Uh, she was walking along a, uh, a, a kind of a canal uh, there in Georgetown when she was killed. Uh, she was shot once in the back of the head, and then whoever killed her shot her one more time, and she died. Why do her in, Mark? Uh, well, uh, the, 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 
theory there was that because uh, was because the fact that she knew too much about JFK and the affairs, and she might divulge those somewhere or another. And the interesting part of that is that she had a diary. And that diary was supposedly in her uh, her artist's studio and in her home, and they couldn't find it and everything. And uh, uh, so anyway, it ends up that James Angleton was a friend of the family and a friend of this Mary Meyer Pinchot, and he ends up with the diary. And uh, allegedly, uh, supposedly, he burned it because he was somehow or another, they say, concerned about the fact that that diary would implicate uh, JFK, who's already dead. Now think about this. You've got Marilyn dead in 62, JFK in 63. You've got Mary Meyer Pinchot in 64, and you've got Dorothy in 65. And by the way, Mary Meyer Pinchot and Dorothy knew each other. So that's four deaths in four years, which makes you wonder. But this Angleton, supposedly, they say, destroyed that diary. Now you think a little bit more about that. Marilyn supposedly had a diary. What happened to it? It disappeared. Dorothy's Dorothy's, uh, JFK assassination file disappeared. Gone. And Mary Mary Meyer Pinchot's diary disappeared. Sounds like a lot of cover-ups, in my opinion. And I'm going to look into this because I don't buy it that uh, Angleton would have burned the diary to try to save face for John F. Kennedy because the CIA, you know, didn't, didn't really, uh, you know, have an affinity for JFK of any kind, just like the FBI didn't. So I was able to go through and find that document, and I thought you'd find it interesting that there's those connections between Angleton and three different murders, basically. Well, listen to this tie-in. This is something for you to investigate, Mark. Sam Giancana gets shot in his house June 1975. Uh-huh. July 1975, Jimmy Hoffa, gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I promised to bring that all around to you with regard to Belli, and I want to do that quickly if you don't mind. All by, right. the, by the way, Wiki has the wrong death date for Jimmy Hoffa. They have well, 1982. It's 1975. George, I've got to say, anybody who comes to me with a source of Wikipedia, I just don't even pay attention. That used to be a great source, but now anybody can go in there and do anything they want to. There's all kinds of mistakes. But with Belli, just let me tell you this, because I think you'll be interested. So Belli defends Ruby, and then he goes and works with Garrison, and he does all these different things and all that. But uh, as you may know, remember the name Frank Morgano? Mm-hmm. That was an attorney in Florida. And who did he represent? He represented Marcello Traficante and James Hoffa. Yep. All right? So just uh, in, 19, I think it was in 1965, there's this photograph you'll see, and it's in Collateral Damage, and it's in my other books as well. It's a New York restaurant, and sitting around the table there is Traficante, Marcello, and Ragano. So the headline in the New York Times was, Mobsters Meet in New York, or something like that. Well, when Ragano saw that, and he was a very prominent lawyer in Florida, he, went he nuts. decided to sue the New York Times. Who do you think he, he, he hired to represent him in that lawsuit? Belli. Belli. Yeah, they all knew each so other. So you've got those connections in there, and I know that you, just before uh, Hoffa died, uh, you know, interviewed him. I, I want to ask you a question, and that is, I've been told that there's supposed to be, at some point, they, they believe they may have found where the body is buried and that there will be 
uh, a search of some sort. Is that happening uh, in, in the near future, George? That's happening. Uh, they believe it. Uh, now, this has happened several times. They've said this uh, out in New Jersey somewhere. And uh, huh. we shall see what happens. I mean, there's no question in my mind, Mark. They disposed the body. They probably incinerated it. They knew what they were doing, and they didn't want any evidence of his body. I mean, I don't think they'll ever find it. I don't know if you can divulge this or not, but during your interview with, uh, with Hoffa, did, did you feel that he, he possessed any, uh, you know, feeling that he was, you know, he was in danger at all at that particular time? Well, what he wanted to do and what he was telling me, and, and unfortunately I wasn't interviewing him about the uh, JFK assassination because that would have uh, given us some great stories I wanted to ask him, but... He wanted to come back and regain the Teamster presidency. And as you well know, he oh, was yeah. very influential in lending Teamster pension money to the mob to build Las Vegas. Yeah. Las Vegas was built by the mob. I mean, the big corporations have taken over now. But, I mean, Las Vegas was basically built by the mob. Mm. And uh, Jimmy Hoffa funded all that construction. And I should say the Teamster's pension fund made money on those deals. They didn't lose anything. I mean, it was a, it was a, truly a great investment. But when he got convicted, part of his parole deal with Nixon, and he didn't know about this at the time, was that he would not seek the union presidency. Oh, is that right? That was that was put in that was put in the parole deal. Hoffa's people signed it. They got him released, and then when they told him that, he went ballistic. But he he was he was going to negate that. And he wanted to run for the presidency. By that time, the mob was so entangled with Frank Fitzsimmons, who was uh, Hoffa's vice president, who was then the president, right. they didn't want any changes. They didn't want Jimmy back anymore. And, uh, and I, I believe that that led to it. Plus, I also think at this point, he might have known something about the JFK assassination. And it's ironic that Giancana gets killed in June, Hoffa gets killed in July of the same year. There are no coincidences. No, there are none, and you've got those four deaths I just uh, just mentioned. Of course, you didn't want to invite uh, Bobby Kennedy and James Hoffa to the same party, as you know. No, they hated each other. Didn't Hoffa try to strangle him at one point? Or yeah, something? called him a little runt and everything else. I mean, he hated him. I mean, uh, tough guys back then, tough guys. I mean, and that, unfortunately, for JFK, was the beginning of the end for him. This involvement with his brother going after the mob, he, if, if he had backed off, I think JFK still would have been here because it was not a Soviet Union situation at all. No, it wasn't. Oh, oh that's perfect. Uh, we, can, we can wait till the next segment if you want to, but I have uh, two or three documments in the... In Go ahead. The, uh, you got a couple minutes. Go okay. ahead. Well, well, one thing there that, that, that is important, you know, as, I, as I've, uh, I've resolved these three uh, two-crime murder mysteries in collateral damage, but you remember the conclusion is that if Bobby Kennedy would have been prosecuted for Marilyn Monroe's death in 62, there would have been no... Uh, uh, JFK assassination in 63 because Bobby would have already been powerless and his enemies wouldn't have had to have to have uh, killed JF to make him powerless and, there, and, J and then Dorothy would have never died in in 1965. Um, you know, there's there's two documents. One is a um, uh, 925-67 document talking about it negates any uh, you know, basically what also I was looking for were things that would show perhaps some of these people that still want to follow this uh, Oswald alone theory that 
um, you know, that, that, that these documents show that there was no such thing in, in many ways, especially his relationship with the Russians. And uh, there's a document here that talks about the, a review board for the CIA had examined um, CIA's Office of Operations with regard to Oswald in the uh, late 50s and early 1960s, could find no evidence of a contact between Oswald and the uh, Office of Operation before or after his time in the Soviet Union, and they could find no real connection with regard to the Russian government, because in the second document I found, it, it had these words, George. It said uh, it was from a sensitive Soviet source, and the article read, the Soviets felt that President Kennedy's death was a great loss, not only for the U.S. and the Soviet Union, for the, but for the whole world. According to the source, the Soviets felt they could trust President Kennedy and deal with him on a cooperative basis. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.